Every Thursday, we'll be releasing a pair of interviews with some amazing nonprofits talking about their awesome impact in the communities they are in. We'll talk about some challenges they've faced and chat about their best tips and tricks that might just help your organization do good better. Hey, enjoy these mini episodes of inspiration that make a major difference in the lives of those served by these incredible nonprofits. Hey, did you just have a meeting with a donor and they told you something really, really important and you have no place to put it except for like maybe an Excel spreadsheet or, I don't know, a random piece of paper in your office? Go to DonorDoc.com. Get a CRM system that works. Get a donor database system that works. Get something that gives you beautiful reports and beautiful dashboards that even your crankiest board member will love. Go to DonorDoc.com. Use the code word do good better at checkout and get a month free. DonorDoc.com. Choosing a partner to help you achieve success in your business or personal finances is a big decision. You need a devoted advisor who's experienced and attentive and invested in helping you accomplish your goals. Hey, you know what that sounds like? Brady Martz. Brady Martz knows that you've got a lot of options to choose from, but we're confident that Brady Martz is the right accounting firm for you. they got more than a half a century of experience making everyday count through tax, accounting, audit, and business advisory services. So... Contact Brady Marts to learn more about their unique solutions that they can provide you and your nonprofit. Your organization is awesome, but sometimes you want to be even awesomer. It's time to get your fundraising on with your host, fundraising expert and author, Patrick Kirby. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the official Do Good Better podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Kirby. And of course, we talk with people who are going to help our small and medium-sized nonprofits do good better. And sometimes those individuals who can help us do good better are the CEOs and co-founders of small and medium-sized nonprofits. That's why we got Jeremy with the Mighty Oak Foundation. Welcome, my friend, to the official Do Good Better podcast. Well, thank you. It is great to be with you. Really appreciate it. I'm very excited about uh, today's conversation, and I'm sure other people who are reading show notes and sort of finding us on YouTube or iTunes or Spotify are as well, but maybe they don't know exactly what the Mighty Oak Foundation does. So as an intro, my friend, could you give a 5,000 foot view on who you are, what you do, and why we're talking today? Sure. So with the foundation, what we do specifically is we work with veterans, active duty service members, and first responders who are dealing with some degree of trauma. Now, we often think of combat trauma or trauma related to their jobs, which is certainly something that we talk a lot about and deal with. But often it's trauma that happened in childhood or that happened in some kind of an adult relationship that they brought into their service, and now they're dealing with it. And so we help them unpack that. Uh, We do that in a number of ways. Our core program is what we call the legacy program. We bring uh, either men or women. We have men's and women's programs to one of four facilities across the country. And we spend a week with them unpacking, you know, what trauma is, what it is not, and how to move forward. We're a faith-based organization. So we approach it from a faith perspective, which is different than many of the clinical programs that they have access to. Uh, So yeah, we've had 4,000 plus graduates come through one of those week-long programs over the last 10 years. And we've seen tremendous success. Again, we work in concert with other clinical programs. We're not that and it gives a different perspective. And so we've had uh, tremendous success there. And it's been it's been fun to watch and fun to see. In addition to that, we speak on uh, resiliency in military conferences, military settings, and uh, other settings that would require that. And it's been, uh, it's been pretty interesting. It's been a crazy ride, to be honest with you. 
It's uh, it sounds it sounds ridiculously amazing. So how do individuals find out yeah. about you, and how do you sort of approach like, hey, if you're an individual who has uh, some sort of particular trauma, do you work only and solely with some of the uh, mental health providers or some of the providers that you work with, or how do people find out about the Mighty Oak yeah. Foundation? So like most organizations, our website is our best landing spot, mightyoaksprograms.org, mightyoaksprograms.org. That's our website. On the website, we have resources available. We have a huge collection of videos. We do a lot of media that are intended to be just helpful to people that may never attend one of our programs. Probably the most helpful thing on our website, though, in addition to the information about us, is the apply section. There's a button. You can click, click that, apply for the program. And again, if you fall into the category of veteran, active duty service member, first responder, or a spouse, you are eligible for our program. And people always ask, well, do I have to have been in combat or this or that? No, you have to fall into one of those categories. You're eligible. And the cost to you is zero. We spend a lot of time focused on fundraising so that we can cover the cost of the program. And in addition to that, cover the cost of travel to the program. So literally, your investment is a week of your time. And uh, you've probably had, again, access to clinical programs, other programs through either department or through the military, the VA. We're not that. We're happy to work with them. But whether you've done that or not, you're welcome to attend our programs. And we, we'd love to have you at least apply and let our team get back to you and work with you on that. I imagine as a co-founder of a nonprofit that uh, you have uh, delightfully trying times. It's not all sunshine and rainbows yeah, as, sure. uh, as a co-founder and a, and a developer of a nonprofit. But, um, and I'm sure you've got thousands of them, but is there one story that you sort of uh, remember or tell yourself a success story that reminds you during the toughest times of being a co-founder and running a nonprofit that you remember and go, oh, yeah, this is why we do this. Yeah. So two things to that. I was actually having this conversation with someone yesterday about starting a nonprofit and how, you know, we're 10 years removed from our starting, from our founding. So a lot of the systems that we work to develop, even our fundraising strategies and platforms, those things are in place. And so we're able to move forward in a very confident, very effective way now, but it has not always been that way. And we forget that. When we started, it was a crazy start. We were part of another organization, kind of pushed out on our own. And we basically had 90 days to decide if we wanted to do this or not. And if we do, then we need to figure out how to start a business. And that required me like getting an online subscription to QuickBooks and really just rolling into it. Like a lot of other you know, founders, a lot of other organizations, there was a real need. Um, I was in the Marine Corps. I'm a Marine Corps veteran. Our, co or, um, our founder who I founded with, also a Marine Corps veteran. We had a lot of veteran friends, a lot of people that we knew that were really struggling. This was a real need. We had to get it done. And so we just did. We had no idea what we were doing. So we just rolled into it and started. And it was very touch and go. We had no idea. Both of us kind of walked away from jobs and invested in it. And, and you know, it all came together, but it came together over time. So that's one part of it. I look back on that and I think, man, it really was hard. Where we are now is difficult for different reasons. It's more complex, but it's not that. And then I look back over 4,000 stories. Part of what we do in our program and I'm not at every session, of course, but what 35 weeks, we do this a year. So it, it happens all the time across the country. Um, but one of the things that we do at the end of every week-long session, the day before graduation, is we have what we call testimony time. Again, if you're not from the Christian world, it just means telling your story. And we give each graduate or each student 20 minutes to stand up and tell their story, where you came from, what you struggled with, what you've learned this week, what you're going to go home and do different. And story after story after story 
goes something like this. I came here, I tried everything. I had nowhere else to go. If this didn't work, maybe I'd go home and end my life. Maybe I'd go home certainly and end my marriage. I don't know what I would do. There was nothing on the other side of this. But this week I gained tools. I met other people like me. I heard stories similar to mine. I received hope and direction. And now I can go home and start to build back what I had broken or what had been lost. I have hope for the first time in my life, purpose and direction. So you hang on to those stories. And when the rest of it's overwhelming, and certainly on my end, dealing with administration, which means you know money and employees and insurance and all the crazy stuff none of us like to deal with, it's that it's in those moments that I have to step back and go, all right, why do we do this? Well, we do it for the man or the woman who is really just trying to decide if they're going to, you know, hang on to life or not and what's going to happen next. It's such an important thing to remind yourself of that too, especially if you get stuck in that mundane mindset. No, no, this is way bigger. And I think along the lines, I think that comes with challenges. You alluded a little bit to it about how the significant amount of programs you have is dramatically different than when you started. Yes. What's one of the biggest challenges that you faced recently as you were sort of like moving through and adding on to this and how do you overcome some of those? Yeah, it's been an interesting time for everyone. And so this is not just us. Our programs of necessity have to be done in person. And part of that is every instructor, every team leader and the way we're structured is a veteran. They come from the military or first responder community. It's very important that it's a peer-to-peer kind of face-to-face. I call the eyeball. I know where you've been. I can help you move forward because I've experienced that. And so when, when COVID hit, we were in the process of really ramping up programs. We were going from like 25 to try to get to 30. Our goal was to get to 40. We had set a goal of a thousand students a year. We've had 4,000 over 10 years. So our goal is to be at a thousand a year. We're well on our way to do that. The fundraising was supporting it, and then everything shut down. And my initial stance was, we're not shutting down. We're an essential service or whatever. We're not shutting down. But the locations where we have programs shut down, and then supplies, simple things, like toilet paper. You think it's like a stupid thing, right? But if you're going to bring 40 people to a location, you need to have supplies like that. Everything shut down in a day. And so our team had to come together and say, well, what do we do now? And again, to your point, you have to keep the central mission in mind. Why are we doing this? Well, we're doing this to help men and women who are struggling. Being placed in a position of forced isolation is not going to help that. So what do we do? Well, we can't meet in person. So let's get on the phone. And that's what our team did. Started our application list, uh, graduates, people who have been part of our program in the past, alumni. Let's start calling. We started calling. We put together over a week a, uh, an online program, which was fine. It wasn't what I would want, but it filled the gap. We pulled people into that online program. Uh, we started to have real conversations over the phone. We'd meet one-on-one wherever we could. And we started to do that. And, and really what that was for me was understanding we have a mission. We have a team that understands the mission. So when the mode has changed, we can still accomplish the mission. And if you don't first have settled what it is you're doing and why you're doing it, then when things change, you're not going to know what to do next. And really for us, it was just a pivot to something else. And then things started to open back up. Uh, 21 was, again, a difficult year for a lot of people. But as soon as we could, we started meeting in person again, pushing forward, filling out programs. And when we came into this year, uh, we've had full sessions every every single week uh, of programs. Yeah. So, And that's and, you know, how do you do that? Uh, 
thankfully we've had good supporters. We've had good, we've built good relationships over 10 years that we could go back to supporters and say, Hey, we're going to ramp this thing up, but we need your help. This is different than it was before. And because we've had those relationships, because we've invested in that in the past, we're able to reap that benefit now. And people have really gotten behind it. And we've, we've just stepped on the gas and gone for it. It's fantastic. Again, I think I like the idea of a lot of nonprofits who have either been starters or co-founders or whatever, understand that little entrepreneurial brain to go, Hey, whatever it takes, you yeah, know, whatever, right, it's gotta right. be a phone call. It's gotta be a phone call, but we're sure. going to get it done anyway. Um, over your 10 years from start to, you know, start to now, yeah. um, I think a lot of people who listen to the podcast and are looking for like, well, how can, what sort of bit can I take away? Is there a tip or a trick that you've learned that somebody who is resonating with either somebody who works in, in with veteran issues or yeah. a sort of mental health issues or whatever as a, as a co-founder, is there a tip or a trick that you've learned that you'd love to pass on to a group that's like, hey, I'm passionate about learning some stuff. Floor is yours. Passionate about learning some stuff. I think if you're if you're a nonprofit and you want to grow in this space, if you're in the type of space, there are a lot of nonprofits, but if you're in the type of space as we are, that has stories, you need to absolutely <laughs> communicate those stories to people outside of your organization. One of the ways we gained traction. So in, in the early days, when you're working with veterans, no one wants to come to your program. I mean, it's us kind of like, hey, asking friends, like, hey, you're a veteran, you serve with me, come to our program. So after time, it's effective. They tell their friends, they tell other people who need help, the word gets out. Probably the, the single best thing we've done to gain traction and gain momentum is communicate our stories. If you go to our website, you'll see some of those. But if you go to our social media, any of them, Facebook, Instagram, uh, we're on just about every platform. Those are our two biggest platforms. What you'll find are stories. We do a lot of content marketing, a lot of podcasting, a lot of storytelling. And the reason for that is so that people outside of our ecosystem will go, that's an interesting story. What do they do? Maybe I know someone I can relate to that. We've had veterans who have who come to us months or years after they first found out about us, who've been following us for that period of time, listening to stories, uh, watching videos of programs that we've done, listening to podcasts. And throughout that process, they got to the point where they could then make the transition to actually coming to an in-person program. So I think for a nonprofit, the best thing you can do is tell your story, tell it regularly, use social media. We all hate social media, but it's an incredible platform and you'll find a lot of people there. Um, and you need to use that as effectively as possible. And then for you know those who we would try to help veterans currently serving uh, service members, those in the first responder community, because we've invested so much in that kind of what would be called content marketing, perhaps, we have tons of resources available to you. And they're free resources, books that we've written, you can find on our website, um, downloadable PDFs of those books that you can find on our website, and then hundreds of videos, whether it's, you know, podcasts like this, or uh, testimonial videos, people just telling their stories. And I, I think that's the best thing we've we've done, even from a you know, it's very pragmatic, but from a fundraising perspective, people want to give to what touches their heart and people want to give to what they know is working. <laughs> and if you've got all those stories out there, it's not you going, yeah, and what we do works. It's, hey, let me show you hundreds of times that uh, people have been affected by this. You know, it's 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 funny that people are like, why did I get bored of telling my story or I've already told it a hundred times. Yeah. The minute you get bored is exactly when other people start 
hearing about it. Yeah, and that's so right. that's the, yep. so just chugging along. It's such a right. wonderful tip to don't stop with the content creation and never top with stories. Tell it to as many people as possible. Fill that bucket with as many people that's who it. have potential. That's a wonderful piece of information. So I know that people are going to listen to this and they're going to want to check it out. Not only the website, but how on earth do people support the Mighty Oak Foundation? Yeah, Mighty Oaks through the website. You can find everything, including a how to support section, how to donate. Again, um, one of the decisions that we made early on in this process was that the people we are seeking to help have every reason in the world not to find us or accept our help. So we're going to raise as much money as we possibly can to remove every barrier, including the financial barrier. So we pay for the program. That's free. But we also pay for travel. And that's probably the biggest obstacle to many people is how do I get from Milwaukee to California or whatever program it is that's happening uh, nearest me or on my schedule? How do I do that? We'll cover that. We take care of the logistics. All you have to do is fill out the application. We take care of the rest of it. The reason we're able to do that is because others have found the donate link or the support link on our website, mightyoaksprograms.org. They've gotten involved and made that happen. Uh, as always, all the links are in the show notes. So while you're done with this podcast, get over there, click, awesome, donate, look, share, get this to somebody who you think might benefit from it. And while you're clicking on this, by the way, like and share and comment and give us a five-star review. This is the kind of podcast that I think you really want to go listen to all the time because we bring guests exactly like this and then go immediately back and go click on the Mighty Oaks Foundation uh, website so that you can go give and you can go find out more about this. Jeremy, thanks so much for what you do. Thank I think you. there is a this is such a wonderful niche that is now being provided with services that you know are outside of that clinical role that I think are so critical to our, our first responders and veterans and, and active duty members and spouses, which is really interesting. One, I love that as an additional piece to this. Thanks so much for what you do. Thank you also for being a guest on the official Do Good Better podcast. Yes, sir. Thank you. I appreciate it. Look, as someone who listens to the show, you know that I love helping small and medium-sized nonprofits. That's why we bring on the awesome experts and guests that get to talk to you about how to make your organization more awesome. So I've got a deal for you. I would like to help you. I would like to work with you. So if you go to dogooduniversity.com, that's dogoodyouniversity.com, and you register for one of the courses, I'm going to send you my best-selling book, Fundraise Awesomer, a practical guide to staying sane while doing good for free because I really want you to do amazing work. Listen, dogooduniversity.com. Go pick out something, whether it's a board training or a gratitude training or whatever webinar you want to choose. Um, use the promo code podcast. Take 25% off of anything that you purchase. And I'm going to throw in a book as well because I want you to do awesome. I want you to do awesomer. And I want you to do good better. Go to dogooduniversity.com today.